Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. I'm stoked today, uh, but I want to introduce our next guest on the podcast. Today, I had the pleasure of having on Eric Hinman. Um, if any of you guys are into health and wellness, uh, he is probably someone you have seen on you know in social media like Instagram. He's got quite the following. He is considered a influencer, so I don't know. He might be my first official, uh, you know, influencer on the podcast. Maybe not. Fed a few, I guess. Um, but Eric uh, has done a lot. Most people know him for um, his functional fitness. Uh, he's a five-time Ironman um, championship finalist, so he's gone out to Hawaii to compete in the finals of Ironman. Um, and most people really know him as an influencer of a lot of health and wellness brands. But what was fun diving in with Eric and getting to his story is, um, you know, all the things you see on Instagram that didn't come by happenstance, and it also um, wasn't on accident. Uh, Eric's worked his ass off for a long time, and he's been able to automate his life in a lot of ways. And I think honestly, a lot of you who are, you know, a member of my audience and who have listened to a lot of entrepreneurs, I think a lot of you might resonate with this episode. As Eric has really built a life that I would argue most people dream of doing but never get the chance to do. Um, he's got lots of different investments and uh, revenue vehicles that he leverages, um, but doesn't have to spend, you know, a ton of time day to day on operating those businesses. He's got them automated um, and he spends a lot of his time uh, doing what he loves, which is uh, functional fitness, mountain biking, being out in nature. Uh, so he's got a pretty kick-ass uh, setup and he's designed it that way. So uh, hats off to Eric. It was fun getting to talk to him, get to know him and uh, you know, wish him the best of luck in all of his endeavors. Uh, and before we get started today, as always, our lead sponsor on the podcast is Routine. While you sleep, you lose between a pound and a pound and a half of water, expelling vapors, sweat, you know, etc. Each packet of Morning Routine, which is one of their proprietary kick-ass products. I just chugged one. I'd use it. I literally use this every day. Uh, each packet is like a little single-serve packet that you just tear open, dump it in a into uh, 20 ounces of water, shake it up good and drink it. It honestly, it, it tastes delicious, but the functional benefits of it are it has half an organic lemon, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, Himalayan sea salt, all six essential electrolytes, and most importantly, no sugar. Uh, they have found a way to basically turn it into a powder form, all of those ingredients and put it into a really easy to use single serve packet. Um, I've mentioned it on here plenty of times. They're, they're a, a, uh, a sponsor of this podcast because I truly love their product. Uh, morning routine is fantastic. They also have a green superfood mix I use a lot. It's great for me. Um, you know, I try to eat a really healthy diet, but on days where I feel like I need a little extra fruits and veggies, um, same thing. I just dump it into, into a water, a mixer bottle, and I, uh, I shake it up and I chug that thing. And uh, it's great. And really, I love these guys for... Uh, the business they've created, you know, they're a smaller family business, um, and they're made up of trusted ingredients made convenient, uh, routine. They're doing some kick-ass things and coming up with some really cool products. So 
If you would like to try routine, you can go to yourroutine.com. I've also added that as a link in the show notes. So just go into the show notes and you can click that to uh, go to their website. And if you guys would like to try morning routine or any of their other products, you can use code ShaneWhite30 at checkout, and that'll get you 30% off your first order. All right, everybody. Without further ado, give it up for Eric Hinman. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. I am stoked today to have the man, I at least found you from Instagram. I call you the man from Instagram, Eric Hinman on the podcast. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks, Shane. Appreciate you having me. 100%. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, before we started rolling, we were just saying how you're uh, you're partaking in the, the quarterfinals for the Masters Division of CrossFit. So appreciate you you know, it's a busy weekend for you. So thank you for taking the time. Um, would you mind just giving everyone, especially the listeners who maybe don't know who you are, just a little bit of a background of, of you? Sure. Uh, so first and foremost, entrepreneur, I started an insurance business out of college that uh, I ran for a seven year period, property and casualty insurance. And it's been on autopilot for the last 11 years now. Um, I was involved in software for a four-year period, building mobile applications from 2010 until 2014, sold my shares in that company in 2014, and then started investing in passion projects, a couple restaurants, a fitness facility, some consumer brands like 10,000. And along the way, I started redesigning my life. Instead of you know chasing monetary success, I started uh, really just chasing like self-care and health and wellness, realizing that, you know, health is the ultimate wealth. And I got into Ironman in 2011, did my first half Ironman then, nice. first full Ironman in 2012, qualified for the championships in Ironman in 2013, raced it. And then same thing in 2014, qualified and raced the world championships. So during that time period, I was really focused on, um, just dialing in sleep, recovery, nutrition, uh, purposeful training. Each year I would pick something new to tackle. And then since 2015, I, I haven't competed in Ironman, but I got heavy into CrossFit and functional fitness and mountain biking. Um, so now, you know, lifestyle athlete, I exercise about the same duration as I was before with Ironman, but you know, it's not just cardio. I'm doing strength training, gymnastics, anaerobic conditioning, aerobic conditioning, uh, mountain biking, trail running, hiking, just kind of well-rounded as opposed yeah. to, you know, really good at one thing, but sacrificing on other areas of fitness. And I'm 40 now. So, you know, recovery has really been paramount. Um, I think a lot of people uh, look to me for guidance in, in recovery and I'm religious about doing some type of extreme heat, extreme cold exposure every single day. And I've tinkered with pretty much every other recovery mechanism there is out there. Yeah. Awesome. No, I know. I, when I started following you on, uh, I think Instagram, I, I remember just being like, oh yeah, this guy is just obsessed with just wellness, which I thought was just, you were just a, a breath of fresh air to like, just, you know, learn some stuff from, um, 
Would you mind going back a little bit? I, I thought it was really interesting. I didn't know about the insurance business. How did you even get started in that? Like how that's like step one, I guess, to where you are today. But like what, uh, what made you get into that? Yeah. So I grew up, uh, my father managed a small property and casualty insurance company in upstate New York. So I grew up in the business. He kind of, you know, groomed me along the way, showed me the business, the different facets of it. And I went to college and studied business management. I knew that I wanted to own my own business and create my own destiny. And the day after I graduated, I took my property and casualty insurance uh, examination course and got my license three weeks later. And my father gave me a company car, a small salary and said, you know, go off and create your own business. And, you know, for seven years, I put 50,000 miles on a car and went door to door selling insurance, mainly to oh, wow. campgrounds and marinas in upstate New York, wearing a suit and tie every single day. I mean, <laughs> now, as you can see, I'm in, different you know, look. tank top and, and shorts. So uh, my life is very different now, but you know, I'm so grateful that my father pointed me in that direction early on because I was able to build residual income and, and an asset for myself that paved the way to everything else I've been able to do since then. Um, so yeah, my father was the one who really gave me that opportunity and pointed me in that direction and you know, said like you if you want to own your own business, like do something where you're gonna be able to to make money while you sleep and, you know, build residual income. Yeah, no, it makes a ton of sense. When you got started in it, did you, all the stuff you're doing now, whether it's entrepreneurship, the health and wellness side of things, uh, even like partnerships, um, was that all in the like long-term plan when you first got started or was like, really, you're just like, okay, I'm going to start this business. And then that stuff has just kind of evolved. Yeah, it was not in the plans. I, I knew that I didn't want to do insurance forever but I had no plan of what the next thing was going to be. And, you know, software was just something I fell into. I was in New York city with a friend and we were walking through Soho and we were using these red maps called red maps to get around to the different like restaurants and hotels and stuff there. And this is going back to 2009. Um, and we each had iPhones and we're like, you know, I really feel like everyone is going to use their phone, you know, to get around soon. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. this is right when like Yelp was launching and Foursquare. So we created some apps that help, you know, tourists find places specifically in, in New York City. And, you know, that eventually turned into an app development shop. We were unsuccessful oh. with with those with those apps. They just didn't scale like a Yelp or Foursquare because of how we developed them. But um, it did get us in the ball game super early. Uh, and we became known as, you know, a premier app development firm. And being in Syracuse, New York, we had access to, you know, Syracuse University students and Cornell students, students that were learning mobile app development. So, you know, our environment led to us being able to find incredible talent. Uh, but no, I had no plans to be in software. I had no plans to be in restaurants. I had no plans to, you know, get into a life of health and wellness. It's just, yeah. you know, I've... <clears throat> I've been fairly good at, um, you know, knowing when one chapter of my life is no longer serving me and okay. moving on to the next chapter and just, I go all in. So, you know, when I find something I enjoy, um, I'm all in on it. I'm doing it on a regular blip, uh, basis and, you know, I try to become at it. So, um, the restaurants were passion projects. The gym was a passion project. All of the brands I've invested in. We're meeting people in the real world. I'm not, you know, actively seeking investments. I just try to meet a lot of people. Oh, and good. by doing that, you know, opportunities come your way if you're able to, you know, have a large network of, of interesting people. Yeah, I would imagine. So yeah, that, that see, it's funny how some of that kind of like snowballs too. You see that happen to a lot of people. Um, 
for you, like, how did you, it sounds like, okay, so you, you go all in on whatever you're really into. So at this point, like, are you, I mean, this is a dumb question, but are you like still pretty involved with, you know, the restaurants? Are you still pretty involved with some of these other things all at the same time? Or do you have a lot of those on <clears throat> autopilot? Cause it seems like you like, like you've mentioned, like you kind of have designed your life to be the way you want to be day in and day out, not obviously in an office right now or anything. So how did you, I think a lot of people listening who know a little bit about you and I, we can get into more of it, but you're involved in so many things and you're an investor, you're an angel, you're an angel investor, you've started companies. So how do you, how do you like manage all of that stuff at one time? Yeah. So I, I learned with the insurance business you know, how to delegate, automate, and eliminate. I was doing everything for that seven-year period. And once I started delegating some of the duties, I realized that, like, there's some things that only I can do and I can do best. And there's a lot of things that other people can do and probably can do better than me. So that was my first lesson in, like, serial entrepreneurship is if you want to, you know, be involved in multiple things, you can't be involved operationally in all of that. So with mm. each new venture, my role has become smaller and smaller. Um, you know, the restaurants, the gym, I helped uh, open them up. I was instrumental early on in building the brand and getting people excited about it and opening it, investing in it, <clears throat> but no operational role whatsoever. Um, same with all of the investments I've made. I mean, you know, I try to I mean, make connections, but outside of that, I have no daily operational role whatsoever. So, you know, while it sounds like it's a lot on paper, my role is very insignificant from a day-to-day -day standpoint and in all of the different ventures I'm involved in my day-to-day -day now where I'm, you know, trading time for money yeah. uh, is, is lifestyle content creation. So it's, you know, being sponsored by different brands and creating content around my lifestyle. But, you know, that's something I enjoy. I would do it anyways. I was doing it anyways before yeah. I was ever paid by any brand. So um, I just like being creative and, you know, kind of telling a story and, sharing things I've learned along the way. And, you know, now I work with a number of different brands that weave in with my lifestyle. So it doesn't feel like work. And I always share that message with people is if you're going to trade time for money, you know, try and align it with your passions and your lifestyle. That makes a ton of sense. That's a great advice too. Yeah. I mean, how did you, like, I think it's interesting, the like influencer side of things. Is that something that you know, as you got involved in more and more of these different types of businesses and just the content you were already producing, did that kind of show up on its own? Like you had some brands that reached out to you or was that something that you like thought in the back of your head, like maybe I should like go for the brands that weave into my lifestyle and you kind of, you know, worked on trying to build that as like another revenue stream. Like I'm always, always curious. I've never <clears> talked <throat> to someone who's really done that well. And I always think of you as someone who's done that pretty well with brands that do tie great into like what you're doing. Yep. So I fell into it, um, you know, early on in Instagram, like going back to 2011, you know, just like everyone else, I was just kind of sh showcasing my highlight reel. I was sharing, you know, the cool bike I just bought, the copious amounts of food I was eating, training for Ironman. You know, I didn't, right. I didn't think yeah. of it as a brand. I was just posting pictures. And then, you know, 2015, maybe I had some brands that messaged me and they're like, Hey, can we send you our product to try? And I'm like, yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. And then 2016 was really the aha moment when Oakley invited me to spectate the Ironman World Championships and they, you know, flew me to Hawaii and gave me tons of cool product. Oh, wow. And, you know, I got to just spend a week in Hawaii spectating and promoting their new radar paste sunglasses. And that's when it clicked for me of like, 
wow, brands are going to start paying people with these niche followings to promote their products. So that's when I started thinking of it as a brand. And, you know, I bought a, a camera, learned photography over the last three or four years and, you know, thought through, like, I want to provide value with each post, whether it's inspiration, knowledge, um, you know, evoke some kind of emotion with it. So yeah, it, it really just, I fell into it and kind of learned along the way, like what my value add was for these brands. And, you know, also making sure that I was working with brands whose products I loved and used because ultimately I don't want it to feel like work. Like I love, I love my day to day and um, I don't want to, um, I don't want to do things that don't flow with, you know, my life of health and wellness and adventure and recovery. So I'm very careful with the brands I work with to make sure they align with my lifestyle, um, a, so that, you know, it's easy to promote them, but you know, B, so it is truly things that I, I enjoy using. Yeah. I, I was going to say, that's something I've always wondered too, is, um, for you, you have to, you must get so many, like once you get a few, I'm sure the ball starts rolling a little bit. I mean, you must yeah. get a bunch of brands that are kind of, you know, bullshit as far as like aligning with your value. So how do yeah. you kind of like sift through the good brands, the bad brands, and ultimately decide on the ones you're either going to partner with or invest in? Sure. So, uh, well, I'll answer that a couple different ways. Invest in, like I, I like to develop relationships before I invest. So I want to okay. know the founders. I want to know their backstory. You know, I, I like using the Tokyo rule. Would I fly to Tokyo with them? Like, do I oh. really like them? Never heard of that um, one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, is it a product and service that I'm going to use on a regular basis? Is it something that I think is scalable? Do I think they have the ability to like raise future funding? Do I think they have the ability to seek out um, uh, a buyer eventually or go public? So, you know, I look at all those different things, but ultimately I want to have a relationship with that person. I haven't invested in anything where I didn't have some kind of relationship with the founding team. Um, <clears throat> and then from the standpoint of working with brands, I mean, I kind of know right away whether or not it's a brand that's going to weave in with my with my lifestyle, like sure. Ice Barrel. You know, I, I do cold plunges every single day. Ice Barrel is a no-brainer. 10,000, you know, I love their apparel. I wear it every single day. Um, Aftershock's headphones. I wear their headphones when I'm exercising. So I work with brands whose products I use in my day-to-day -day life. And in 2018, I hired an agent who's also a very close friend in New York City, who manages the deals for me. And, oh, you know, nice. again, that goes back to like delegate, automate, eliminate. Like I'm the only one who can live my life and create the content, but there's other people that can no negotiate the contracts, do the invoicing, you know, uh, uh, just sift through all the different deals and see which ones are best. So he does all of that back end work so that I can just focus on the creation side of it and, you know, living my life. That's, I mean, that's powerful. I can imagine. And I, I wrote that down, delegate, automate, eliminate. I love that. Um, Cause yeah, that's, what's been impressive. You see like all the brands you work with. I know you're invested in stuff, the restaurants, the gym. First thing is like, just how you, you're like one of those people that uh, I'm always like, where do they find enough hours in the day? And I, that's something that I, I, you know, I probably, I deal with whether it's the podcast, the other things I'm working on. It's like, usually it's just me, but so you feel like you have to, so you have to do everything, but I guess that's the whole point, right? The more people you can kind of have, you know, helping you with that kind of allows you to unlock more time and the more things you can spend your time on. Exactly. Yeah. Operations is, you know, the time suck. So you know, if you can partner with people that uh, are very good at operations and want to do the operational aspect of it from the standpoint of like a business partner, then 
that's how you become a serial entrepreneur. And, you know, from the standpoint of investing, it's, you know, capital, obviously, but also connections. Like I want to add more value than just putting money in. So, you know, I try to partner with or invest in brands where I know I can leverage my network of, you know, boutique fitness studio owners and distribution channels and, uh, you know, health and wellness influencers. So, you know, I, I want to be more than just throwing money in with any of the companies that, that I invest in. That makes sense. How do you think about investing in like brands um, just in the grand scheme of like your financial portfolio? Like, I think it's funny as I've kind of evolved. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I told you or not before, but um, I, I have worked the last three years at RX bar. So like the protein bar company. Yeah. Um, and so it, for me, I had worked at two big companies before that in college before that. And so first time working at like a startup, it, it was kind of an unlock in my head of like, oh, there's like so many of these like brands that are like up and coming that like, you know, people could invest in. Do you, do you have like a whole portion of, you know, you think about your like life portfolio where like, you know, some people are only looking at like, you know, the stock market, maybe a 401k and they're trying to build up their savings or buy real estate. Do you like, did you early on be were you like, at some point I want to make sure I'm investing in like brands or did that just kind of happen? Because I've always, I've always wondered how people kind of like fall into investing in, in brands or companies. Yeah, it just, <clears throat> I mean, being involved in the software company for that four year period, I was heavily involved in the startup community. You know, I got in, uh, introduced to lots of investors. I get introduced to lots of other startups. So, you know, it was really that four year period of just networking and being involved in the tech space, going to South by Southwest, mm. going to New York City a lot to different startup events that I just built this network. And, you know, once you're in that world, it's like living in San Francisco and being involved in, in tech, like yeah. you're, you're in that world. So it becomes fairly easy to meet a lot of people that are pitching you all the time. It's easy to meet investors, like you're just in that environment. So it was really, you know, that time period that allowed me to build that network so that I'm just like in the mix with it. Um, and it was also that time period that I realized you know, I, I, I find a lot more pleasure and purpose in investing in people I know and products I'm wearing and using. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have, you know, a SEP IRA that's invested in, um, you know, the S&P 500 companies, but, um, you know, I'm not passionate about it, yeah, I, but I'm right. passionate about 10,000. And, you know, I know that I can help move the needle some for, you know, these smaller companies and that just makes my, my heart sing. So, that's why I like investing in consumer brands more. I don't have like 20% of my money goes to, you know, startups and 80% goes. It's just kind of like if I am out in the world and I meet someone who I think is onto something, I love that product or service, then, you know, I usually have a little money set aside to be able to, to invest in it. Yeah. Love that. Have, um, has there been any like major learning lessons so far from just investing in smaller companies, like whether it's good, bad, or indifferent for people who are interested in doing so? Uh, yeah, definitely. So, <clears throat> um, I mean, if, if you want to hit a home run, you need to really think through scaling, you know, like I invested in a restaurant in West Hollywood that was cool, but you know, it just wasn't something that was scalable and it's a very competitive space. Like even if it's the hottest restaurant in LA for six months, like, tomorrow there could be the next one and everyone's going there. So, oh, yeah. you know, it's sometimes the sexiest industries 
are going to yield the lowest return because there's so much competition. And, you know, like my insurance business has always been really profitable. And, you know, there's not nearly as much, much competition in that space. And it's something everyone needs. So, um, yeah, I've definitely learned lessons from, you know, is it scalable or is it just a sexy investment where it sounds cool to say I invested in a restaurant in West Hollywood that has right. a retractable rooftop, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, I could, I mean, that's, that's probably what gra- most people would gravitate towards is the sexy thing versus anything. But at the end, at the end of the day, that's not really what's most important. So that's a, that's a great takeaway. Yeah. And team. I mean, the, the team is so important. Like, you know, what is their ability to market? What is their ability to onboard really good talent? What is their ability? What what are their connections like to raise money? So like thinking through that is super important, like 10,000, like, you know, they just checked off every single box and, you know, that's why they've, they've scaled and grown so fast over the last few years is because they had the connections, the knowledge, um, you know, they had been involved in, you know, big fundraising efforts before. So just understand, understanding the, the founder's background is so much more important than, wow, that's a really cool idea if you can execute on it. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because when times get tough too, right, it's going to be the founders and the team that either make it or break yeah. it type of thing too, right? Totally yep. makes sense. Love that. How's, um, was, how is like, I was assuming COVID, especially with like New York and LA restaurants, has that been a tough tough go for that part of your investments side uh definitely a tough go from a revenue standpoint but i mean the government is just giving out so much money that you know they're a lot of the in new york specifically you know i know that the funding has been tremendous for you know hospitality so that's been nice we were able to survive the storm until the funding came out but you know there were a lot of places that weren't able to you know to wait you know they couldn't negotiate with their landlord they couldn't you know whatever so um but no i uh was fortunate with uh, with the hospitality stuff in the city no longer involved in the gym so you okay. know i'm not sure how the gym fared with all of it i know gyms in general have not fared well i don't know that they got the same type of you know federal money that restaurants did right. um and then like any of the consumer brands like a lot of consumer brands took off because people you know, the government's giving out money and people are shopping online. So yeah. a lot of online brands actually did better throughout, throughout COVID. Yeah. Yeah. As I say, especially if you did a good job of um, either having an e-commerce business or moving things to a more e-commerce focus during, during yeah. that, that was, that was a, a big, big, big pivot for sure. Um, so I, I think the other cool thing that I wanted to chat through uh, while we were on, while doing this today was, um, Today, like a lot of the things that you're producing, like you said, it's endurance, um, athletics, it's CrossFit. Um, is there is there like a whole business in that you think like, okay, obviously like your social following is this whole thing. Um, but now that you've like fallen so in love with just like the content creation stuff, is there is there something in your head spinning that's like what you want to do? Like what's, what's the next thing for Eric um, as you like continue to grow and evolve your own personal brand? Yeah. So I think the big opportunity is video going forward. Um, you know, whether it's YouTube, like, Oh, there's always going to be platforms coming and going, but I mean, the one thing that's always going to hold true is if you, if you captivate people and you have eyeballs, then you're going to be able to generate, you know, marketing dollars and brand deals. So, um, I think video is the next frontier and, 
you know, I, I think everyone has the opportunity now to, you know, create their own like TV show, reality TV show. And yeah. if they have some kind of unique spin, if they have some kind of value to provide some kind of, you know, inspiration can evoke emotion, uh, people are going to tune in. And uh, so, yeah, that's I'm, I'm leaning more towards longer form video going forward, um, you know, and shooting just captivating shots, sharing more of you know, my, my life and hoping that I can provide, you know, more knowledge to people by doing that. Yeah. I think you could have a really cool like vlog, you know what I mean? Like that, yeah. that became really popular a few years, years ago, but you have so many like cool things going on, even like the, just the business stuff that you're involved in. I think people would find very interesting. Yep. Um, love that. That's exciting. I totally agree. I think, I think video is, is going to continue to be bigger and bigger. Um, podcast too. I mean, what you're doing, I think, you know, people are, people are tuning into their phones more and more and their TVs less and less. So, you know, anything that is easily accessible on, on a phone is where people's eyeballs are. Yeah. Podcasting I I've fallen in love with, and I just think it's an interesting platform and, and, and medium because you can have conversations like this with people who, you know, you're not going to have, I don't know. There's just not very many other use cases for two people or more than that, um, to either do a video chat or, you know, be in person. Obviously a lot of the podcasts are in person, I think are fantastic. Um, it's gonna be really interesting to see, you know, a lot of the big ones are getting snatched up right now by Spotify. Um, and you know, Apple's trying to get into it a little bit now I actually saw recently. So it's going to be interesting just to see what the landscape looks like over the next few years as you know, more and more people move to audio and the audio video combination is pretty cool. Um, so I, one of the one of the pieces I love to ask um, you being you know an investor in brands you also promote a lot of brands for folks who you know are maybe CEOs or founders or someone who just has an idea and wants to start their own brand um, have any advice for any of them who maybe at some point would either you know want to raise money or would want to look for investors like what are some of the key things I mean I know you personally just talked through. Like you have want to invest in companies that resonate with your, you know, belief system and in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but what on the other side, like is, is really important, like actual like characteristics or traits um, that you find to be really important in like a founder who's starting something? Um, well, I think they should take smart money instead of just money. So partnering with people that can add more than just putting capital into it. So, you know, do they have, uh, you know, connections that will add value to you scaling the company um, growing sales, hiring people. So looking for people that can offer more than just capital, I think is super important. And, um, you know, I like to tell people to like, tell everyone your idea, because then there's accountability and you're going to get feedback and execution is by far the hardest part. Like it's not easy to execute and, and start a business and grow a business. And I think too many people are fearful of like sharing a good idea and getting feedback and also having the accountability of having told people that I'm going to start this, so you actually do it. Um, and I like starters, you know, I like investing in serial entrepreneurs that have, you know, done multiple companies because, yeah. you know, I know they have the wherewithal to, you know, grind it out when times are tough or to pivot, you know, if it's not working initially to do something different. Um, do they have the ability to grow a good team? They have the ability to, you know, raise capital. So yeah, finding, I like looking for founders that have, that have done other companies. Got it. That's a, I mean, that, that makes a ton of sense. Cause I, I can only imagine too, there's, there's, that's gotta be 
as tough as, as it is for like, I've talked to a lot of founders on here who are trying to raise money and like trying to figure out who to talk to and how you do that. But I, I actually have never thought about it on the flip side. If you're someone who's looking to invest in companies, like trying to sniff out the people who maybe like are kind of full of shit or maybe just haven't gone through tough times to your point. Like that's probably, how do you even like vet some of that? I guess that's a, it's probably a good follow-up question. Cause like that seems, that seems kind of tough. Like if you, if you're like, I have X amount of dollars to invest, like, you know, yeah. how many companies are you looking at? Yeah. Well, you know, I've found that it's a numbers game. So the more people you meet, the more opportunities are going to be presented in front of you. And like, you just kind of have your metrics and you're going to have to say no a lot in order to make space to say yes. And in order to have enough money to say yes, when the right opportunity comes along. But if you, if you're, you know, immerse yourself in, uh, in an environment where there's lots of, you know, working, being in a co-working space, going to startup weekends, um, just being around startups and founders, like you're, you're going to have in uh, tons of opportunities to partner with people, to invest in people, to start things with people. So, you know, I think that's one of the first steps is just being in an environment where you can, you know, shake hands with a lot of people that are in that space that you want to be in. And, you know, just also like understanding that there are going to be a lot of opportunities and, you know, you, you have to be kind of patient to, to wait until there's an opportunity that comes along that meets your various metrics of what you're comfortable investing in. Got it. Yeah. And then for- like I've gotten much better at saying no over time. You know, I was oh, have you? very quick to say yes early on because yeah. everything sounds so cool. And, you know, then you start to realize like, wow, there's going to be a lot of these opportunities coming my way because of all of the connections I've made. And like, I want to stay true to, you know, what I said I would invest in. So, you know, it's just, again, being patient and knowing that, you know, the right opportunities are going to come along. How, how often would you say like an opportunity to invest comes up? Is it, is it pretty frequent at this point? Uh, yeah. I mean, every other day I have an opportunity, someone reaching out to me who's saying, Hey, I'm starting something, you know, you interested (laughs) and, but you know, I, you know, I think I have maybe six or seven investments that I've made. So, you know, what's that averaging maybe one a year. I mean, there was one year where I made a lot of them three or four. So, you know, it, it really is just, I think 2016 is when I made the majority of them, but I was just like immersed in that space and had that mindset of like, I'm looking to invest in, in companies and, you know, I'm, I just feel like tons of opportunities are being sent my way. So that was kind of like my year where I just invested in a bunch of different consumer brands. And, you know, I mean, now my days are quite a bit different being out here in Denver. I, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm exercising a lot more than I am like meeting with people, um, you know, out in the wilderness, I'm mountain biking. So, (laughs) you know, my, I love my friend group here, but it's very different than what my friend group was when, you know, I was spending a lot of time in like New York city or LA or, you know, immersed in the startup world in Syracuse, New York. Right. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, that's, that's great though. Do you think it's a better quality of life where you are now being out in in nature and being more active than you were in the city? Yeah. I mean, it just kind of goes back to our, you know, our heritage of cavemen, like, you know, we were born to like move and be in nature and be in the sun and be barefoot and, you know, be in cold streams and like have discomforts, like, you know, the cold, the extreme heat, like these are things now that we have to seek out because we've created all these modern luxuries for ourselves. But, you know, the cave people didn't have that luxury of, you know, having air conditioning or being able to, you know, get a, 
get it, uh, wear warm clothes. So um, yeah, the more I am in nature and the more I live my life like a cave person, the more alive I feel. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I would agree. I feel like I live in Chicago, just outside, like in the suburbs. So I, I'm much yeah. more the city side of things. And I sometimes I feel like I'm like, man, I just need like a break to like get out into the wilderness, do something outside the city. Every year that happens a few times. <laughs> um, the one other thing I wanted to ask you and you hit on it is, you know, you've become kind of well known for just like your recovery um, tactics. Um, I wear a whoop. I know you're a big whoop guy. Um, I also I, I know the guys at beam well. So I know you, you love their products It's a great recovery tool. What is like and, and obviously you're an investor in um, in, in the uh, and sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking. It's like the a thousand. Ice, no. Yeah. And then that what's the ice barrel ice barrel. Yeah. Yeah. That's the brand name. Yeah. Okay. Um, what would you say? Like you do so much stuff. So what would you say? Like if you had, you know, if you, you were on an Island, you could bring one thing to help with recovery. I mean, maybe it's a tough question to put you on the spot, but like, what, yeah. what is like, if someone who wants to start getting better at recovery, what would you say is like, you know, what's like the first thing you should try? Cold exposure is by far my favorite. Um, that's what I would bring. I would bring, you know, an ice machine <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I would bring the ice barrel with me so okay. I could do cold exposure every single day. That works the best for me. Um, you know, different people are designed differently. So something, some things work better for, for others. Um, extreme heat is my second favorite thing. So saunas, infrared saunas, barrel saunas. Um, I do like red light therapy. I do that on a fairly regular basis. But yeah, for me, cold exposure is it's not the easiest, but like the shortest way to uh, increase your circulation, to stimulate your vagus nerve. I mean, it takes five minutes to, to jump in, to jump in a cold stream, to jump in an ice barrel, to fill up your bathtub at home and put ice in it. So um, yeah, ultimately it's whatever is accessible to people. You know, if sure. you live in Florida and or Hawaii and don't have access to, you know, cold water, or it's a pain in the ass to get ice, or you don't have space to put, you know, some kind of device to hold the water and ice, then, you know, seeking out what is yoga, you know, seeking out what is accessible to you to make it a lifestyle is the best practice. So whatever you can yeah. do on a consistent basis. Got it. That makes sense. How do you how do you find cold exposure when you're traveling? Is it like actually going to like a cold stream usually? If I'm in Colorado, Utah, yes. But I mean, I spend a couple of weeks in Kauai every single year and I have to back off on my volume because I do not have access to a sauna there. I don't have access to, to cold water. You know, I'll stretch more. I might do yoga, um, but I have to back off on, on my volume. You know, I yeah. can't do a CrossFit workout in a run in the same day without doing some form of recovery because I'm going to be, you know, achy and sore the, the next day. So I do try to seek it out though, wherever I am, uh, most places before I travel to them, I already have something lined up where, you know, I, I'm going to be able to use a sauna on a regular basis. You know, I've figured out a person or a facility that has, you know, an, uh, uh, some kind of cold plunge. So it's something I research before I go, just like healthy restaurants and fitness facilities. Like I don't, I try not to interrupt my normal day to day, regardless of where I am in the world. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's not like you just show up places and then figure it no. out. It's very planned out. That's smart. That's smart. I don't know if a lot of people do that. Very good. Um, I know we're getting low on time. So I have the, the final few questions I, I love to ask every founder and every uh, athlete that comes on here. 
Um, the first one is I always lead with book, but it could be book, podcast, just source of knowledge. What would you yeah. say if you had to suggest one to the, the listeners today? What is your what would be like your favorite book or source of knowledge? Yeah. Uh, Ryan Holiday, Stillness is the Key. I think it's an important book for everyone to read, to understand that, you know, we all need space in our brains to have like creative thought. And, you know, stillness comes from more ways than just like a sitting meditation. Like for me, mountain biking is, is my meditation where I'm just in flow state for an hour and a half. It's a high risk activity. My heart rate is elevated. I'm in nature. Um, I'm super focused. I'm in the present moment and it creates this incredible, like a mental clarity in my head. Um, and Ryan Holiday talks a lot about that in, in the book, Stillness is the Key. So I think that's a super important book for any entrepreneur to read. Love it. I don't know if anyone su- is suggested that one on here. I've read that and love that book. One of my favorites of all time. Awesome. For sure. So but I'll add that one to the show notes. Um, you're involved in tons of different things. Uh, and so what tools do you use to track like your goals and then really like your daily tasks? Like how do you break those down into daily actions? You know, some people it's pen and paper. Some people use apps. Do you have anything that you use on a daily basis to like plan and execute your life? Sorry about that. Nope, you're good. Call you're coming good. in. Um, the only thing I use now is my calendar for, for meetings. Um, but you know, I've created a structure in my life over the last five years that really is on autopilot. Like, you know, I know what my breakfast is going to be. I know when I'm going to wake up without an alarm clock. I know I'm going to do my first training session from 10 to 12 every day. I know that I'm only going to allocate like two one hour windows each day to take meetings, podcasts, do calls, I know that I'm going to do my recovery from five to seven every single day. I know that I'm going to do some kind of outdoor adventure from two to three 30 every single day. I know I'm going to go out to dinner with interesting people every single night. So I've really structured my life with blocks of time where like, I don't allow for interruptions. My phone is on call forwarding all the time. So, you know, I don't get interrupted. I have all of my notifications turned off. Um, The only notification I have on is, is calendar appointments. So yeah, I've, I've developed a structure, so I don't need like an agenda. It's just kind of everything's on autopilot. I love that. That seems so freeing. I have like a, I have like a North star that I always tell people like my, my whole thing long-term is to just have autonomy. Like I, to yeah. exactly what you just said. Like, I want to be able to just like control when I do what I do all the time. And that's, I think what yep. most people probably at the end of the day would love to have. It sounds like you have it. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Man. Structure is the ultimate freedom, you know? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, cool. Good for you. That's awesome, man. Um, last question, but most important, how can the audience follow you? How can they get more involved with your journey and, um, and get involved with Eric Hinman? Yeah. Instagram is the best place to, to follow me. And it's just my name, Eric Hinman, H-I-N-M-A-N, Eric Hinman. Awesome. Well, Eric, thank you so much. I'll add all that to the show notes so people can find all that, those good tidbits you added. And uh, can't thank you enough for taking the time. This has been awesome. Great chatting with you, Shane. Have a great rest of the day. Appreciate it. You too, man. Have a good one. See you, brother. All right. See ya.